Hey, if you guys like to cook outdoors and you ought to, you should check out the Weber Slate Rust-Resistant Griddle. So this is a carbon steel cooktop that's safe for metal tools. It's pre-seasoned with food-safe oils and ready to cook on right out of the box. It's the griddle that stays ready, not rusty. This griddle heats evenly edge to edge, reaching all the way up to 500 degrees. Get fired up for your new Weber Slate rust-resistant griddle. I'm sure a lot of you guys remember the old ceremonial hunting tradition of eating the heart out of the first animal you kill. Meat from those organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. You can get those same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil. Find out more at heartandsoil.co. And remember, use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase. Welcome to the Wired to Hunt podcast, your home for deer hunting news, stories, and strategies. And now, your host, Mark Kenyon. Welcome to the Wired to Hunt podcast. I'm your host, Mark Kenyon, and this is episode number 178. And today, we're back for another Rut Radio episode in which we're getting real-time updates from hunters across the country on current deer and rutting activity and the tactics that are working right now. And for the second week in a row, we've got Don Higgins with us to talk about how he's killed his second buck in the last week that's right around the 200-inch mark. All right, welcome to the Wired to Hunt podcast brought to you by Sitka Gear. And uh, here we are again, another Rut Radio episode in which we talk to hunters all across the country about what's happening right now. You know, what kind of deer activity, what kind of rutting activity, what kind of conditions are out there, and how are all these things impacting how we should be hunting. Um, That's what we do each week during Rut Radio. That's what we're going to do today. And we're getting now to the point where the Rut Radio deal, the, the title makes a little more sense because we're getting right into that time period, aren't we, Spencer? Yes, and uh, we will hear that from our contacts. There is some chasing going on. There are maximum amount of rubs and scrapes, so the the rut radio title is now uh, accurate. Very, very appropriate, <laughs> and I'm and I'm getting so excited about it. Um, I know I've got some stuff to share on that front as far as what's going on in Michigan. Um, I know you might be able to share a little bit about Kentucky, right? Um, and then we have another bonus today, too. If people had heard last week's episode, uh, we had Illinois bow hunter Don Higgins on the show to kind of tell us about uh, the latest exciting thing in his hunt. You know, we had him on in the summer. He told us about these two potentially 200-inch bucks he's after this year, and last week he killed one of them, the buck he called Smokey. So we had him on the show last week to talk about that. Well, he went out the next his next hunt out, that Thursday, and that son of a gun killed the other monstrous buck that he's after. So so today I've got Don back with us to talk about that hunt and how that all went down. It's really unbelievable. I don't know of anyone else in the world maybe that's ever killed two bucks of this size within like a five or six day period. Um, it's unbelievable. Did you see the pictures, Spencer? I did, yeah. And I uh, 
I'm going to have some serious questions if we end up having him on the podcast again next week, if he kills another <laughs> deer. Yeah, seriously. I think he's, I think he's all tagged out. So this should be the end of his run, but, uh, but yeah, he had a heck of a go. So we'll have that here for you in a minute. We'll get to have that little kind of separate bonus interview and then Spencer will, will take us through the rest of our contacts. But I guess before we do that, Spencer, should we give our own little rut radio reports here from our, from our own hunts? Yeah, yeah, tell me about Michigan because it looks like we have some colder weather coming through right now. Yeah, so we finally are getting the kind of conditions that you really want to see. But even, you know, we had this cold front move through over the last couple of days. Um, it really hit yesterday. And over the weekend, it was in the 70s. Yesterday, it was down in the 60s. And now today, we're down into the 40s. And it's looking like it's going to stay like that for, for quite a while now. So I'm really thinking that things are going to are going to light up in the coming days because yesterday and today, and we're recording this on Tuesday night, um, so today and yesterday has been really, really windy and rainy, so that's kind of kept some of the movement down from what I've been hearing. I know I've heard of a couple guys. I know a guy down in my neck of the woods that shot a 160-inch type class buck last night in the rain and wind, so you definitely can do it. Um, but I think it's it's slowed things down just a touch, but I think tomorrow, so Wednesday when this podcast comes out, those wind speeds are dying down, the pressure, the barometric pressure is starting to rise. It's going to be in the low 40s as a high. Um, I think really we're going to really see that pre-rut action explode. And I was already seeing that even before all this. At the end of last week, I was starting to see year-and-a-half and two-and-a-half-year-old bucks up on their feet in daylight chasing does around, bumping them around, chasing them. My trail cameras have just lit up. Um, my cell camera that is on a little mock scrape tree that's in the middle of a food plot probably since the middle to late of last week, so probably around the 18th, 19th, 20th of October, those scrapes just have been getting pounded. So lots of bucks hitting those. Um, so I think we're seeing everything like we should, at least here in Michigan, and uh, I think the best is ahead of us in these next few days. Could be really, really good with this cold front coinciding with this testosterone ramping up into late October. I think it could be a really good handful of days here leading into the end of the month. Yeah, and I was uh, just in Kentucky for their muzzleloader season this last weekend. And we had warm weather, so that kind of suppressed things. But like you just said, um, the woods are just full of sign right now. And that might not directly help you kill a buck, you know, seeing all these rubs and scrapes. uh, But you'll have an idea of what's in the area, uh, you know, kind of shows you that the switch is flipped. um, The rut is here. You gotta love it too. It's it's just the stuff that, like you said, it lets you know the ruts here. It gets you excited, and and it kind of, if nothing else, it adds a little bit of confidence for me as a hunter. When I go into a tree stand, as I'm walking and I see a fresh rub or a fresh scrape, it just gives you a little bit more of a sense. Like, all right, I'm in. I'm in it. They're here. It's happening. This could be good, and that's a good feeling. Yeah, and so this time of year is notorious for uh, bucks that are moving better, but they're also still on somewhat of a pattern. So what are your setups look like right now, Mark, like with you specifically going after Holyfield? Yeah, that's a great point. And that, that's why this time of year I think is, is one of the, it's possibly one of the, if not the very best time of year to get after a specific buck. Cause just like you said, they're moving more during daylight now, but they're sticking to their patterns. They're not going crazy like they are in the rut. So, so for me with Holyfield, um, without beating a dead horse, cause I, I, talk about this deer so much some people are probably getting sick of it um but i've i know a tight little core area that he has 
and a little bit of that overlaps into property that I can hunt. So there's a couple food sources that he comes into to check does at this time of year. Traditionally, he has the past couple of years. So I've got four different setups that kind of are all along this line between where he beds and where he transitions out to feed and or check does at this time of year. So there's a there's two tree stands, there's a elevated uh, box blind, and then there's a hay bale blind. And they're all kind of positioned to take advantage of different wind directions. So over the next week or so, I'm going to be hunting along this transition line um, and just getting in whichever one I can based on the wind. So, you know, tonight I tried to hunt, but uh, the wind actually started swirling and gusting on me. So I actually bailed out after I just got set up in the one stand I could with the wind, but I bailed because of the crazy stuff going on. Tomorrow, there's only one spot I can hunt with a new wind direction. And then the third day, it looks like another wind direction. So I'm going to have to hunt in the ground blind. So so I've got four options to move across. Um, and hopefully that's going to keep me in the right general area. And uh, I'll, I'll need to count on a little bit of luck for him to pass by that spot. But um, that's my game plan, at least at a very high level. Yeah. So let's uh, let's move on then to the to the meat of the podcast. Uh we start with Alex Gilstrom with Whitetail Properties in Illinois, and then we have Bryce Lamley in Nebraska with Sitka, and then we go to Arkansas to talk to Philip Vanderpool from the Virtue TV, and then we go to Virginia with the Virginia Deer Hunters Association is Denny Quaife. That sounds like a good lineup, Spencer. I'm looking forward to hearing this, and um, I guess we'll we'll get Don Higgins on here real quick in my conversation with him to hear about his hunt, and then uh, we'll get right into the full rut report. Thanks, Spencer. Talk to you next week, Mark. All right, so uh, I am, I am excited and kind of shocked that we are here again with Don Higgins on the line. Don, are you just the luckiest guy in the world right now? I'm uh, the most blessed for sure. <laughs> I'm just almost speechless because I'm telling you, nobody is more surprised than I am. Yeah, I, I I was just floored when I saw the news come across my Facebook feed, um, and. And I don't know, it's just, it's unbelievable the week that you had. Um, so I guess nobody wants to hear from me. They want to hear from you. Can you tell us what happened um, last week and how somehow this incredible story, that, or this incredible plan that you talked about to us in the summer has actually all come true now? Yeah. Um, well, last Tuesday, you and I spoke midday and uh, did that last recording. Mm-hmm. And that, that was Tuesday midday. Tuesday afternoon, evening, I was taking Smokey to the taxidermist. And on my way to the taxidermist, I, I've got the, and I left, you know, it was still, you know, an hour of daylight left. And my cell phone goes off, and I've got some Spartan cell cams, and uh, I, I get my first picture of Trump in daylight. And I was just absolutely, uh, it was unbelievable because I just told you earlier that day. I had dropped my chances of success to probably 1% yeah. from 10%. <laughs> and uh, so here I've got a picture of him in daylight, and the picture is within 20 yards of one of my stands. But, uh, you know, I was on the way to the taxidermist with Smokey, so, you know, that, and besides the wind was wrong, I would not have been in that stand. If I had I been hunting, I would have been elsewhere because the wind was wrong to be in that stand. But anyway, he was on his feet in daylight, and... Uh, I was just shocked, you know, to, to see that uh, at this time of the year, especially if it had been the rut or something, you know, that'd have been a different story. But 
So anyway, uh, the next day would have been Wednesday, and my grandsons were here from Indiana, and I took them. I wasn't able to hunt. I took them to the pumpkin patch that day, uh, spent some time with them. But Thursday, I was back in the stand, and the wind was, was still wrong for the stand where I got the, the photo uh, on Tuesday, but that I had another stand about 200 yards away that the wind was perfect for, and that's where I went. Um, you know, I was sitting in my stand. It was getting close to, to quitting time. Well, there, there was still probably 20, 30 minutes, 20 minutes anyway, uh, of, you know, before quitting time. And it was dead calm. I mean, it, it was so calm. It was, it was probably the calmest evening that, uh, I've hunted this year. And I was in a hedgerow out in the middle of nowhere and right in front of my stand, uh, was standing corn and, and standing soybean field. They met right there in front of my stand. So off to my right was soybeans, off to my left was standing corn, and I was looking right down the row where they met. So I, I'm sitting in my stand, and it's getting towards quitting time, and I hear a corn leaf rustle out there in the cornfield, probably 30, 40 yards out in front of me. And I could just tell by the sound of I knew it was a deer. And the crazy thing about it, this is my 10th hunt for Trump all year. And I had not seen a single deer on those 10 hunts. Wow. And it actually it became kind of a joke between me and my business partner, Kevin. We'd text back and forth, and I'd say, on my sixth hunt for Trump, yet to see a deer. On my seventh hunt for Trump, yet to see a deer. On my eighth <laughs> hunt for Trump, yet to see a deer. So we're on, I'm on the 10th hunt. And I was joking with him. I said, I bet you the first deer I see is going to be Trump, but I might have to sit here 15 or 20 times. <laughs> So anyway, I'm sitting there and the, the corn leaf rustles and I know it's a deer, but I only heard it once and it was so calm. I, I couldn't believe there was just that one rustle in the, in the corn stalks and, you know, maybe, but I still, I knew it was a deer and it was coming. To, I figured it was coming my direction because that's kind of a hub right there where those two fields meet right there in front of the hedgerow, a, a hub of activity. And, and, uh, so I stood to get ready just in case it was no Trump. And uh, it, it wasn't probably a minute later, Trump steps out of the corn into those soybeans on the first row. And I'm telling you what, I was, I, in a way I was expecting him, but at the same time I was just so shocked that I was really seeing this deer in daylight. And I'd said, you know, on the podcast last week, that if I laid eyes on that deer in daylight, I would consider it a success. Mm-hmm. So here he steps out, you know, maybe 30 yards from me. And, and I'm laying eyes on him in daylight, so I'm thinking, well, my season's a success, I guess, because <laughs> there he is. And uh, he turns and he walks right down the edge of the corn, uh, between the corn and the soybeans, and he walks right towards me. And, uh, I mean, it happened fast, but from the time he stepped out and, and started walking towards me until I shot him was less than 10 seconds. Um he starts walking down that edge right towards me and it, right in front of my stand, I had piled up a brush that I'd cut because I'd cut a, a path for those deer to, to get in and out of that hedgerow off to my left just a little bit. Cause I didn't want them right there in my lap. And, uh, so he was headed right towards that brush pile and I knew he was either going to turn right or left. And, uh, well, I re- I first reached down for the video camera and, and turned it on. I looked up and, I mean, here he's coming on a fast walk, and I was like, there's no time for this. You better grab your bow. And I grabbed my bow, and I'm snapping my release on. I look up, and he's right there, and I, I pull back and draw, and I'm just waiting on him to turn which direction. 
and uh, you know, I got it. I shot him right. He turned uh, slightly to the to his right, to my left, and uh, I shot him, and I did not get an ideal hit. Um, but he ran out into the beans about 100, 150 yards, and he laid down. And I thought, and he, but where he laid down at, he was only probably less than 20 yards from the standing corn. Um, and I thought, shoot, he's going to lay right there and I'm going to give him plenty of time, but he'll be right there when I come, come back. And I got my, I'm looking at him and everything. And a, and a uh, second buck steps out of the corn and walks out to him. Apparently oh, this is a deer I didn't see that was right there on the edge. And he gets Trump back on his feet and, uh, they're both out there until it's too dark for me to see. So I slipped out and, uh, yeah, I left my bow hanging in the tree, the camera, everything. I, I didn't want to take a chance on making any noise. And, uh, I climbed down as quiet as I could. And I left the opposite direction. I even left my ATV. I drove on that hunt. I'd left, uh, hidden, not in the direction they went, but kind of off to the side. I even left that out there overnight and I, I slipped away and, and, uh, the opposite direction went out to the road and called my wife on my cell phone, had her come pick me up. Um, then the next day I come back, uh, with my friend and business partner, Kevin Boyer. And, and also there's a local guy, Ron Slifer that has a bloodhound service that helps people look for their lost deer. And I'd never had to call him before. And, and I wasn't sure if I was even going to need him. I was hoping Trump was just laying right there in the beans, but, uh, I thought I'm going to, I'm going to just go ahead and call him, have him show up and not take any chances. Well, we go, we get on the blood trail and, uh, the dog does and tracks, uh, Trump right into the corn. I mean, he's bleeding good. You could have easily blood trailed him. And we get into the corn and, and then we're, we're headed back towards my stand and, and then we jump him and oh, Trump geez. wasn't dead yet. And, uh, he takes off and I don't know to make a long story short, we jumped him two more times and finally i said you know enough's enough let's give him a chance to die we, we thought we could slip up on him and maybe get another arrow in him because he bled the entire way i mean he was bleeding good um so i made the decision to, to back off and, and come back later and he's going to come back that afternoon the more i thought about it it's like you know the last time we jumped him he was actually laying in the creek in water and I thought, I mean, he's hurt bad. And, and we, by that point, we'd gone close to a mile from where we originally jumped him. And he had bled the entire way along that. I mean, good. So, uh, and then the last time we jumped him laying in the creek, I thought, man, he's got to be on about his last leg. We, let's just back off and, and he'll be dead in his next bed. And we was going to come back that afternoon. And I decided, you know what? More I think about it, I think I'll just wait till morning. And then I'll be a hundred percent sure or, or there's no way to be a hundred percent, but I'd be a whole lot more sure that he'll be laying in that first bed. Well, Kevin and I came back the first, the next morning and, uh, the plan was Kevin was going to take up the blood trail and he ran into another small patch. It probably wasn't less than 10 acres, uh, just along a little ditch. Um, so Kevin was going to take up the blood trail, but first I got on the other end and, and found a, a spot ambush spot and it, Kevin happened to push the buck out ahead of him, then I was going to be waiting to hopefully get a shot at him. Well, I'd just about gotten position and, and found a good place to, to sit where I could see good and everything and, and possibly have a chance for a shot. When Kevin calls me, he says, 
this is going to be a short track and job. He says, here he is, he's right here. And the deer had literally went like 30 feet from where we'd stopped the day before. Oh, wow. <laughs> 30 feet. And he, he had died on it. He didn't even bed down. He had died on his feet, you know. So uh, if we just kept looking, you know, two minutes after where we quit, we'd have, we'd have seen him for sure. But Jeez. That, yeah. That's the, kind of the story of Trump. <laughs> that's incredible. Why, why do you think that he all of a sudden started moving daylight at this time period when you really maybe wouldn't expect it to happen. Cause what were these dates? This was like the tw- uh, 18th, 19th or 20th or something like that. It would have been the 19th would have been the day I shot him. Okay. Do you have any theory on, on why that happened? No, I don't. In fact, at first when I got that picture, I thought, uh, you know, maybe he'd been bedded in a cornfield and the combine jumped him, but, there was no harvest going on right there that day. Um, so it, that wasn't it at all. I mean, he was on his feet natural, I guess. Um, but I have no explanation what whatsoever. I mean, if somebody would have told me before season, you're going to kill them bucks on back-to-back days, and it's going to be, I'd have thought they was nuts. And then if they'd have said in, in mid-October, I'd, I'd have known they was nuts. <laughs> yeah. But sometimes reality is stranger than fiction and that's the case here because that's how it happened yeah yeah i guess so 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 looking back on this hunt um and then maybe even if you wanted to look back on the two hunts your two most recent hunts where you've killed these you know two of the three biggest deer you've ever killed um if you had to put your finger on why you think it happened you know what led to this you know what were the key things you did that actually allowed you to have that success i don't know if you've been able to kind of reflect back on it in this way yet but but can you kind of give us where your head's at at least right now as far as what you think were the keys to this incredible stretch you've had in mid-october well preparation for one thing and you know i was like the stand i shot trump out of uh, i put that stand up last winter just for trump and I had several other stands that I had put up just for him. So I, I didn't, I wasn't out there in September before season or August, you know, right before season putting up stands. I was, I got all my work done early like I always do. And that way I'm not disturbing the area at all right before season. So preparation was, was key, but determination also, like I, I said, I, that was my 10th hunt uh, on that, in that little area. It wasn't all from, one stand but it was all from two stands that was my third hunt from that stand and there was another stand close by that i'd hunted seven times so you know i'd done my homework enough that i I knew where i needed to be and uh, i i just i I was you know i was determined that that was the spot and i wasn't gonna start second guessing myself and it's just uh, i knew he was there but he was so nocturnal that that was the key. I mean, a, a lot of times as hunters, we're in the right spot, but you got to be in the right spot at the right time. And I knew I was in the right spot, and I just just kept plugging away until the time was right. I guess. Yeah. Do, why why do you think that was the right spot, or these couple stands that you had? What led you to believe that this was these are the right spots to be? What was so great about that those locations? Well, they were, it's wide open farm country, just corn and soybean fields. And there's very little, you know, cover uh, other than the, the crop fields, which crop fields are great cover, but it, it's structure. It's, it's no different than fish, you know, uh, 
if you've got a pond and you've got one brush pile underwater in that pond, that the fish are going to relate to it. And it's the same way with these deer in the open prairie. If there's just a little bit of cover out in a wide open prairie, those deer are going to relate to that, that cover, just like fish relate to structure. And, uh, so, I mean, I, where I was at, I, I wasn't about to see another bow hunter cause there wasn't another deer hunter out there, but, uh, you know, the other thing that I, I always do is, is, is I want to get away from other hunters as far as possible because bucks want to do the same thing. And a lot of times that means you, you give up some of the best-looking cover in an area. And, you know, in Trump's situation, that buck's as real-world as it gets because uh, I, don't, I doubt if he ever set, stepped foot in a food plot. Um, I don't know of any, any properties with food plots in the range that he was covering that I know of. So, I mean, I just, uh, the trail cameras helped immensely. Uh, getting his daylight picture uh, on Tuesday basically just reinforced in, in me the idea that he was still on that summer range. He had not yet shifted to his fall winter range, which where he had, where he goes in the fall and winter, I have like 10 cameras scattered throughout that area. And I'd been checking them every, I'll uh, probably four or five days because when he shifted his range, I needed to shift my focus and I needed to start hunting there. So I was, I was trying to stay on top of that. And, and some of those were Spartan cameras too, that were sending me pictures instantly. So I was doing everything I could to be where he was at. And I, I didn't want to leave that summer range until I knew he did. And that picture on Tuesday kind of confirmed that he was, or did confirm without a doubt that he was still on that summer range. So, you know, that's where I continued to plug away. That makes sense. Wow. Well, uh, it's an incredible story, Don. And uh, I don't know where, where's your head at now. You just had probably the best week of deer hunting, maybe ever in the history of whitetail deer hunting. Um, you've killed your two target bucks. One that is definitely over 200 inches. One that I don't know if you've officially scored him yet, but he's got to be in that ballpark. Um, wh- where's your head at now? Where do you go from here? How do you feel? Well, just to be clear, Trump is not going to make 200 inches. He's not going to make it or miss it very far, but he's not going to hit it. So um, I've seen a lot of stuff on social media that I've killed two 200-inch bucks in a week, and, and I just I don't want to mislead anybody because Trump's not quite going to make it. But, and you know, I'm already focused on next year. Um, <laughs> I've... You know, I'm getting ready to go shift some some trail cameras that, I, like I said, I have 10 cameras focused right there in Trump's range. I'm going to move some of them. I'm going to be going to Iowa in the next uh, couple of weeks for a couple of days. I've got a property out there I've got permission on that's uh, supposed to be just absolutely awesome. But I did not draw an Iowa tag this year. This would have been the year I needed it because now I'm sitting here with nothing to do. But I'm going to go out to Iowa anyway, even without a tag, and, and I'm going to just have a look at the property as it is in November so that next year in November, you know, I, I've got a, kind of a leg up on if I'm just, instead of showing up blind, I'm going to leave some trail cameras on the property um, all through the fall and, and probably go back in spring uh, on a shed antler hunt and, and pick up the cameras then. So, you know, it never ends for me. I'm always either chasing a buck or looking for a buck to, to chase. So, Right now, I'm looking for a buck to chase. Um, here in Illinois, the, the biggest buck that I know of is probably about 160 inches. So I'm sure there's some bigger ones around. I just need to, to find them and figure out where they're staying. 
Well, uh, if if you don't uh, leave some of these guys, some of these bucks alone, there won't be many of these really big ones because it seems like if they're in your area, they're in trouble. So, Don, uh, I want to yeah. thank you for for taking the time again, two weeks in a row now, to to chat with us and tell us your story, and uh, just congratulations again. Really, really incredible. Well, thanks a lot, Mark. I appreciate you having me on, and I also want to thank everyone. Uh, that has congratulated me and, and sent words of encouragement. And I mean, I've got so many texts. I can't imagine what it would be like to be a guy like Lee Lakoski because this last <laughs> week I couldn't even keep up on text and stuff. I mean, I'd look at my phone and I, I would, I would reply at every opportunity and then I'd look at my phone and I just had 20 more. So I wasn't staying on top of things. I was falling behind and then you had emails and phone calls and Facebook messages and everything else. And it was all encouraging. And I just, you know, I, I want to thank everyone that has offered congratulations, and it just means the world to me to, to, to see the hunting community, uh, you know, be so positive around this, and uh, I'm just blessed and grateful for everybody's kind words of encouragement. That's 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 great to hear that that's been the case, and uh, I'm glad to hear, and it's been a nice example of, like you said, the hunting community being positive and railing around someone and lifting them up rather than trying to drag someone down or be jealous or something like, along those lines. So uh, that's that's great. So, Don, yep. I wish you luck in your uh, coming weeks of scouting and trying to find a new buck and, and checking out the Iowa property. And uh, just do me one favor and send a little bit of your good luck my way. Could you do that? <laughs> well, if I could bottle it up, I'd be selling it, that's for sure. <laughs> I mean, I can't even explain uh, how I feel. I, I did go out and buy my first lottery ticket yeah. a long time on <laughs> last week. So a good idea. I hope it continues. But uh, good luck to you this season, Mark, and, and to all your listeners as well. And uh, you know, I'll be keeping an eye on your website for uh, you know your future podcast with other deer hunters, and just keep up the good work. Sounds like a plan, Don. Have a good one. Before we get to our first update, though. Let's pause to thank our sponsors at Sitka Gear. And for this week's Sitka story, we're joined by Nick Kravitz, who tells us about how he was able to tag the biggest buck of his life. So about three years ago, my brother Tyler and I had uh, got trail cameras of this buck back three years ago, and we called him Slingshot just because of his uh, unique rack style. And uh, we lost track of him the past few years, but two weeks ago, I was going to sit a stand it was the first night of a cold front it's been really warm and uh it was the first time i'd sit this stand all year long it was alongside of a cornfield in a swamp and i got in the stand i had seen really good buck movement that night i saw three or four other buck and then right after sunset i just got done taking some pictures of the sunset and my bow and whatnot and i look over to my left and all i see is just a giant g2 and g3 and i immediately knew shooter and Sure enough, this buck walked out into my shooting lane no more than two or three minutes later while I was full drawn, by the way, and uh, I put an arrow through him, and it turned out to be my biggest buck to date, and it's just going to be a really hard buck to beat, and I'm super grateful and pleased, and, you know, I can't be more happy. On Nick's hunt, he was wearing Sitka's fanatic system. If you'd like to create a Sitka story of your own or to learn more about Sitka's technical hunting apparel, visit SitkaGear.com. All right, and joining us on the line first is Alex Gilstrom with Whitetail Properties out of Illinois. Now, Alex, on a scale of 1 to 10 in this last week or so, what would you say the buck activity has been? 
I'd say on a scale of one to 10, it's probably sitting right now about a seven. Um, and that's mainly because of just the weather. Uh, we've, it seems like all October, we've just kind of lucked out as far as timely cold fronts. Um, it's not been really consistently warm or cold. It's been, you know, warm, uh, like we've experienced the last couple of years, probably unseasonably, but, um, with timely cold fronts in, it really gets the, the bucks up and moving. And, and I think it's really kind of, uh, kind of started to we're, we're now moving into like in this last week really moving into that seeking phase to where i mean even he, hearing some rumors of of bucks locked down or bucks with does um from time to time even from those first couple uh, i haven't seen anything like that but uh definitely starting to see the scrapes open up seeing more rubs um pop up and uh the particular farm that i hunt spend most of my time on here in illinois uh it isn't it doesn't hold the deer all year long there's not really much food on it but uh, it's got a lot of cover um, and it's, a it's, it's a great transition area between the, the bedding and the food. So, uh, when it gets closer to the rut, the does are here and then, and then the bucks move in. So the cameras have been showing more and more mature bucks just starting to pile into the ground. So it's, it's exciting to see. Well, it sounds like you're basing a lot of that off of trail cameras and just, uh, seeing sign in general, but have you seen anything in person as far as chasing does or bucks that are sparring yet? Um, a little bit. So, uh, I was actually out this past Sunday morning, um, and it rained all Saturday night and Sunday morning here. So I did kind of some speed scouting Sunday morning, check some cameras, um, and actually, uh, kind of bumped a bedded buck. He didn't know what I was. He just kind of, kind of got up and just kind of took one hop and then stood there and looked around and just kind of walked off and he didn't see me, but he was, he was a definitely mature buck. And, uh, he was actually still bedded with a year and a half old uh, buck. So I, there's definitely, uh, and, I, and I kind of, I was kind of following a, a scrape line that had been opened up, just kind of looking through the thick cover. And um, so def- they're definitely not quite, uh, again, getting too, too aggressive yet, but uh, it's definitely starting to see that. And, in the, and then in the food sources over a couple sits, uh, we've got some food plots out here seen some two and a half and, and even a couple three and a half year old deer just just sparring not really the knockdown drag out stuff but um definitely starting to get with it well say we get a good cold front this weekend and you're going to be in one of your best setups what does that look like are you going to be hunting near bedding in the mornings yet or are you still a little bit cautious until we hit november um probably uh, i have enough I'm lucky enough, blessed enough to have enough property here to where I can kind of push the envelope a little bit. Um, and I'll time some of those cold fronts around that accordingly. So, um, I will probably get in tight to some bedding, um, especially as there, as there's more sign and, and look what it looks like some primary scrape areas and some community scrapes that have kind of opened up. And, uh, just in the past, I've had some really good luck, uh, targeting that, targeting that sign in the morning. Um, so I probably will start to target some of those areas this coming toward the latter half of this week and this weekend. Um, and then in the evenings, um, I'm probably going to be concentrating most of my time on transition areas. Uh, the particular property I hunt, it's, it's pretty hilly here in Western Illinois. Um, so there's kind of these, these timber ridges that kind of dump down into these thicker bottoms. And then there's quite a bit of CRP. There's some patches of CRP, a couple different CRP fields. And um, I've got some really good locations set up for, for cruising that the kind of fingers of timber that jut out into the CRP and just some really good pinch points and funnels uh, where deer can hug those transition lines. And um, it just seems to really concentrate the, 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 the buck movement at least um, as they're starting to be on their feet more in daylight and start to seek more. Um, so I'm probably going to have to start honing in on those for evenings. All right, Alex, well, with those scrapes and those rubs starting to pop up more, 
does that change anything for you as a hunter or how do you use that as another piece of the puzzle in the end of October? Yeah, I mean, th- those are huge for me personally, just because uh, kind of like I, I mentioned earlier, the, the way the property, just the type of property that I have access to hunt, um, I've got permission to hunt on. Um, it's kind of like my indicator of, it's kind of like my light bulb, if you will, because it, it, like I said, the deer don't, don't summer on this property. They don't live, the bucks especially don't live there year round. It does hold some does, uh, quite a few does actually, just because the cover's so good, but, um, the food sources are kind of on the perimeter they're on the, the, the edges. So when I start seeing more of that activity, it's, it's telling me a couple things that a, I need to shift my trail cameras. Um, and I usually shift them before that anyway, just to kind of prepare for it. But, um, if it's a new, new area or new part of the farm, um, it, it makes in-season scouting super important because I have to cruise. I have to kind of like I call it, I kind of call it speed scouting where you kind of go through and just kind of look for that sign. And, and when you start to see more activity, but ultimately that's what it indicates is more activity on the property from bucks. Um, so when I start to see more of that stuff pop up and it's not just, I mean, you know, you have your little field edge where they're kind of pulling at the ground and just making some little scrapes as you can tell they're cruising by, but, but really, you know, the trees that are shredded and thick security cover, um, you know, where they're obviously spending more time and, and, you know, scrapes that are just really, uh, torn up where the licking branches are, are thrashed and, and, and where they're, they're obviously hitting it multiple times, um, or at least, you know, once, once a day or once every couple of days, um, more established, uh, scrape areas is kind of what I'm looking for. But when I start seeing more of that, I know bucks are spending more time on the property and ultimately, um, that's when I know, you know, I can start putting in more, uh, more quality sits, long-term sits and, and start keying in on the, on the areas that, that they should be, uh, to intersect one kind of cruising back and forth from thick cover to the food sources on the edge, um, or coming back in the morning, spending more time, uh, transitioning through the property as they go back to bed. Now, going forward in this next week or so, Alex, what do you think that buck activity is going to be on a scale of 1 to 10 in Illinois? Like I said, I think it's probably it's holding strong at a, at a 7 right now, and I think it's probably going to get back. I think it's probably going to either either maintain that or it might even jump up to a, to a 9. I, I, I hate to – I'm not even going to say a 10 because I don't want to jinx it, but, but I think it's going to just get really good. I mean, we've got some colder temperatures. We're getting – I mean, we're getting into the part that, you know, that we – gosh scout for dream about lose sleep over all year long just in the next two weeks coming up so i think it's really going to start getting good and it looks like we're going to get blessed with some good weather too so um high pressure all through the rest of this week uh falling temperatures a little bit of wind and a little bit of rain but i don't mind that at all as long as that that pressure is up and the temperatures are down it, it should should continue to get really good so i'll confidently say right around the eight eight or eight or nine moving forward All right, Alex. Well, I like your optimism, and uh, good luck going forward. Thanks for joining me. Thanks, Spencer. Appreciate it. All right, and joining us on the line next is Bryce Lamley, an outdoor writer from Nebraska. Now, Bryce, in Nebraska, what would you say the buck activity has been lately on a scale of 1 to 10? Well, I hate to sound like Debbie Downer, but I would say a 4. It's been slower than usual. Say The bucks are just now starting to show interest in scrapes, and and I realize it's still October and so forth, but um, usually I've got some major, you know, perennial scrapes that get you know, opened up even in September. And, and, you know, first cold night in September, they'll be tore up. And uh, I just haven't been seeing that this year. And part of that, I think, is due to there's still being a lot of crops in the field and deer spending less time in the, in the woods. But it's been, it's been off to a slow start now. Having said that, I think things are in the process of changing right as we speak. Well, Bryce, in a lot of the Great Plains uh, this summer and fall, we've had 
odd stretches of dry periods and wet periods. Has that affected anything for you in Nebraska? It really has. And I think, uh, you know, in, in some cases it's really affected deer movement patterns because we've still got a lot of standing water left here in eastern Nebraska. It's keeping not only farmers out of the field, but uh, it's keeping the, it's, it's making deer movement. And in some cases, I think it's actually helped me because it's helped me define deer traffic where they had many options to cross a, you know, a swamp or a marshy stretch where they barely get wet. And now that water's up to, you know, their chest or their back. And so it, it has defined their, their movement a little bit for me. Um, but, the, you know, and it's interesting. I, I just talked to a farmer here the other day and he said that, you know, even that standing water in the field, he said, we can still get in there and, and, uh, pick the, pick the crops. He said, it's not a problem for the combine, but he said the grain carts will get stuck. And we're just starting to see some of the irrigated corn that's down on the river bottom start to come out just right as we speak, just right now. So do you see that water receding anytime soon, or is this something that people are going to be dealing with, you know, all of the rut? I think it's going to be a, an issue as we go forward because, you know, there, there's a, a place on, on one property that's usually just a mud puddle, and it's, it's you know, it's a, oh, I don't know, it's, it's 20 yards across, and, and right now when I walk in, there's a, a flock of 20 wood ducks on it most days. It's, it's, and it used to be just a mud puddle that would barely get your tire wet. And so I think we're still going to see this um, going forward. The, the water doesn't seem to be going anywhere. And I think the ground, you know, is just not accepting anymore, or it's just been really slow to, to, to um, absorb. Well, you talked about scrapes a little bit earlier. How about for other rut sign as far as rubs or, you know, bucks chasing at this point? Well, honestly, the, the rubs have started to, to show up and, and show up more frequently. And the deer I killed on October 8th, he was in, I mean, he literally three or four minutes before I shot him, uh, was making a, a pretty serious rub. And I've got a friend from Grand Island out in central Nebraska, and he has seen the activity around scrapes and rubs pick up dramatically here just in the last few days. Well, going forward then in this next week or so, Bryce, what do you think the buck activity is going to be on a scale of one to 10 in Nebraska? I think it's going to be up there around seven or an eight. And maybe I'm being, you know, maybe I'm a little bit conservative on that. Um, you know, it's, it's not November yet, but I, I, I do see things picking up. My trail camera has, has shown strangely some um, bucks moving past it at, at nine in the morning and, and nine thirty and stuff like this. And that's, kind of unusual um, given what I'm not seeing very much from Stan. And so I think that we're on the verge of something big. I listened to you guys last week talk about cold fronts and so forth. And I totally agree with that. We haven't had a night here in Fremont, Nebraska, under 32 degrees, I believe, this fall. That's supposed to change here in the next few days. And I think that will change the hunting and, and kind of goose these bucks into to more of an activity where they're after really searching for, for those. All right, Bryce. Well, I hope you get a chance to take advantage of that cold front and good luck this year. Well, thank you very much. Before we get to our next call, though, let's pause to thank our sponsors at Whitetail Properties. And this week with Whitetail Properties, we are joined by Billy O'Connor, a land specialist out of Kansas. And Billy is going to be giving us some advice for those hunters who are planning a rotation in Kansas. Um, well, a lot of people want to come to Kansas in the middle of the rut, which is typically the second week of November or so. And it's a great time to come because you see a lot of deer movement. Uh, there's deer sign everywhere. The action's hot, and it just feels like fall. But personally, um, if you're looking to get mature bucks, my favorite time is the last few days of October, kind of over the Halloween weekend time period. 
Um, the rush is starting to get going, and the bigger bucks, um, they're not necessarily pinned down with does just yet. Um, often during the peak of the rut, you'll see a lot of deer, but they're typically smaller and younger, and the big mature ones have already got with their doe and are, are not moving around quite as much. Um, with that said, it is Kansas, so anytime you're in the woods, you have a shot at a giant, and there's uh, plenty of deer to go around. Um, so first few days of October into the first three weeks of November, you can't really go wrong and just kind of focus on pinch points in between bedding and cover and go to where the does are because the bucks are going to be coming through there to try to find them. If you'd like to learn more and to see the properties that Billy currently has listed for sale, visit whitetailproperties.com backslash O'Connor. That's O-C-O-N-N-O-R. All right, and joining us on the line next is Philip Vanderpool, the founder of The Virtue TV. Now, Philip, in Arkansas, what would you say the buck activity has been lately on a scale of 1 to 10? Well, uh, it's actually been a little bit slow because of the hot, dry weather. And we have an unbelievable mass crop this year. Lots of acorns, uh, persimmons, and stuff like that. And um, I uh, I say the activity's been slow, but I can tell you right now, it's really, right now, it's starting to pick up. The scrapes are opening up. Uh, fresh rub lines, the bucks are starting to feel it because the temperature's changing. We have a weather front moving in as we speak. The wind is blowing really hard, blowing in a cold front and uh, northwest wind. Uh, it's it's really looking good coming up uh, here in the next week or so. Right now, I think it's about a 6 out of 10 there in Arkansas. All right, Philip. Well, I know you hunt all over the Midwest, um, but how does Arkansas's rut timing different than other places? For example, are you guys in pre-rut right now and coming up on seeking and chasing, or how does that work for you there? Right there, I think, you know, usually the muzzleloader season opens, and that's and it's going on right now. It's really a good time uh, for the the – the uh, it seems like it usually hits when those big bucks are starting to get on their feet just about this time uh, they're, they're starting to show up in the daylight so how does that muzzleloader season affect other things for you guys does that change uh, the deer patterns uh, and change with their bedding feeding any of that stuff not not really it probably does in some areas where you have obviously a little more hunting pressure uh, on your public lands and stuff there um, but for the most part, it seems like the muzzleloading hunting is spread out, and so it's not as big a factor. Um, it's a very good time for a bow hunter to get out there, though, and start getting it on their mind. And with this weather front moving in as we speak, it's and, and for this next week, it's. I mean, things are going to really get cranked up. Well, you talked about the big mass crop earlier. Is that something that is more of an immediate factor, or is that something you think you'll be dealing with for the next you know, month all the way through the rut? Well, obviously, you're going to deal with that through the, through the rut because there's such a huge mass crop. It's not really what I've noticed. It's, it's pretty much everywhere that I've been. Even in the Midwest, uh, uh, traveling away, I've, I've noticed an unusually large mass crop everywhere I've been this year. And so, uh, you know, there again, hunting along these edges of your fields can be good because you're looking for your rubs and your scrapes, but you also have a mass crop there. And where I'm from there in the Ozarks, we don't have a lot of uh, agriculture. So we have to kind of depend on learning how to hunt these mass crops. 
So is it safe to say then that a lot of your trail cameras right now are in a little bit thicker stuff, uh, maybe closer to where these bucks are bedding around scrapes and, and those acorns? Yes, absolutely. I've been running the covert trail cameras all summer and going into it. And just this last week, I really had bucks to start showing up that I haven't seen uh, since back early summer. They Sometimes they'll disappear. They go to the, they go to the heavy mass crops and then – then they'll kind of work back in the some of the areas where I've picked them up in the summer. And that's what I'm basically doing. They're really, and, and it's legal, just so you know, it's legal to feed. And I've been using a lot of big time feed and then also a uh, little, little bit of buck brunch, making those little hunt plots, quarter acre plots there. And these bucks are starting to come back to the green a little bit now. They, because they've had mass crops now for over a month. So it's the news kind of wore off, if you will. What well, going forward then in this next week or so, Philip? What do you think that buck activity is going to be in Arkansas on a scale of one to ten? I really believe this next week is going to be about an eight or a nine. I think you're going to see a lot of heavy rut activity because of the cooler weather. They're healthy going into it. They've got the mass crops now, and you're going to see a lot of activity. Look for rubs and scrapes. They're going to be on that pattern. If you've got a particular buck that you have been getting on trail camera and getting nighttime photos, start paying attention before he gets into that full-blown rut because now is the time to shoot that old sad daddy. I mean, it, it's uh, really this next week is going to be unbelievable. I, I don't really care where you're at because we've got the weather conditions coming, and that's a, that's a huge factor. That, that trumps over anything. All right, Philip. Well, that's some great intel, and uh, good luck to you and the rest of the Virtue TV team going forward. Thanks for joining me. All right. Thank you. Appreciate it. If you need anything else, holler anytime. Okay, buddy? Take care. All right, and joining us on the line next is Denny Quaife, the executive director for the Virginia Deer Hunters Association. Now, Denny, in Virginia, what would you say the buck activity has been lately on a scale of 1 to 10? I'd say right now we're in early pre-rut, and I would say 3 to 4. Well, I'm, it's you know these bucks are still on the food source right now. We've got a real wide spread, a heavy acorn crop. And uh, I'm just starting to see some scrapes that are showing up. And most of the trail camera activity I have on bucks is at night. Uh, very few I'm seeing on trail cameras in the daylight. So I think it's still, you know, it's still early. Uh, pretty much normal for this part of the world. Well, you talked about um, that they're focusing on food right now. And what kind of food sources are we talking? Well, like I said, we've got a wide, widespread acorn crop this year, a very heavy mass crop. And, uh, you know, when you have a heavy mass crop, I don't have to tell you, you know, they don't have to move much to feed. So, you know, we don't have as much movement as a result of the food source. Well, Denny, you guys have a gun season coming up here at the beginning of the month. Uh, how does that change things for you in Virginia as far as the, the buck activity? Does that suppress things or do you think that gets the deer moving a little more? Typically that muzzleloader season, which will come in the first Saturday in November, things start to pick up, uh, Historically, you know, all the bucks that I've shot during the muzzleloader season were, you know, sometime starting around the 8th of November. And and then it really starts getting really hot activity moving forward up into the gun season, which comes in the second Saturday, or actually comes in the third Saturday uh, of November. And that period of time, and that's about as much activity as you're going to see anytime as far as the bucks being moving and, and, and chasing and so forth. Well, right around that time in these next couple of weeks, are you finding more success in the morning, 
for haunts are in the evenings? Uh, well, historically, most of the, the bucks seem to move better in the evenings. From, from my personal experience, I've shot them both daylight, uh, at first light and last light. So, you know, it's no really no rhyme or reason as far as that's concerned. Um, I can see the more time you spend in the woods, the better your chances are. Now, how do you think the weather patterns pay a factor in these next couple of weeks as far as if we get a cold front or a warm front or a bunch of precipitation there in Virginia? Well, obviously, you know, the weather does play a role in it. I mean, you know, if it's extremely hot, you're not going to have as much daytime activity. I don't think it has any effect on the rut. Uh, we have a very serious management program that we have, and we this is at the end of the season. And uh, the rut activity is always hot around the 10th to the 15th of November. So, you know, regardless of the weather, that's when the rut's going on. But uh, the cooler weather, of course, makes the hunting that much better. And it seems like we're in a pattern now of better, cooler days. So hopefully that's going to be good. Well, it sounds like you're confident then uh, going forward. But what do you think that will translate to on a scale of 1 to 10 in this next week or so as far as buck activity goes? I think I'll start making a move in the right direction. I mean, you may get it, uh, I said, three to four, maybe five to six as it starts moving forward around. Halloween's always a time that I start seeing more daytime activity, so I think it'll start picking up. All right, Danny, thanks for your time, and good luck this year. Thank you very much. And that concludes this week's episode of Wired Haunts Rut Radio. We'd like to thank our sponsors at Sitka, Whitetail Properties, Whitetail Institute, Hontera, Matthews, Maven, Yeti and Trophy Ridge. And the next time I talk to you guys, it is going to be November, so happy rut. Thank you for listening, and as always, stay wired to hunt. Hey, if you guys like to cook outdoors and you ought to, you should check out the Weber Slate Rust Resistant Griddle. So this is a carbon steel cooktop that's safe for metal tools. It's pre-seasoned with food-safe oils and ready to cook on right out of the box. It's the griddle that stays ready, not rusty. This griddle heats evenly edge to edge, reaching all the way up to 500 degrees. Get fired up for your new Weber Slate rust-resistant griddle. I'm sure a lot of you guys remember the old ceremonial hunting tradition of eating the heart out of the first animal you kill. Meat from those organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. You can get those same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil. Find out more at heartandsoil.co. And remember, use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase.